Wow. Amen. It's good to see. Last time I was here, you all weren't sitting so close together. So it's good to see everybody here. And it's good to see your faces. That's amazing. Some of you I will not recognize without your mask. So if I don't know who you are, put your mask on. It'll come back to me, I promise. Well, thank you, Chaplain Lowe, who is my dear big brother. Dr. Halverson, who's another dear big brother. I'm glad I'm the young, uh, no, I'm not the youngest, oh crap. Almost the youngest of the bunch. It's a thrill to be with you and thank you ladies and team for leading us in that wonderful song. I love that song and so grateful to God that you did it. Um, I'm gonna take you back for a second. Okay, hold on, let me put my timer on. because I got so Those of you who know me know I am a time conscious preacher. Um, I'm going to take you back a little bit. How many of you were born in 19, you were alive in 1984? Anybody alive in 1984? Aha, uh -huh, that's what I thought. Well, I'm going to tell you something you didn't know. In 1984, a popular song came out um, by an incredible artist named Tina Turner. Has anyone ever heard of Tina Turner? Of course. Lady was iconic. Is and was, uh oh, something's wrong. Iconic. Is it slipping off? It's like making a... all these weird noises. We're going to pull on it. Okay. Cool. Let's try that. <laughs> all right. I get extra time. I get extra time. That doesn't, doesn't count against my time. She came up with this song called What's Love Got to Do With It? It took America by storm. It went around the world, I'm sure. And, and, and in that song, it's really fascinating because it's kind, of, it's kind of a sad song. At one point she says, what's love got to do with it? What's love but a second-hand emotion? What's love got to do with it? Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? I mean, I mean, you, that's kind of sad, isn't it? But man, we loved it. She was amazing. And the woman had legs. I, I mean, at her age, her legs. People talked about her legs all the time. She's amazing, beautiful girl, beautiful one. And sorry, that slipped, I had, I had to say it. She, she worked, she's amazing. All man, 100% beef. Okay, gotcha. But that is a fascinating thought. What does love have to do with it? I mean, come on. As Christians, what does love have to do with it? And the answer is everything. I mean, that's not even a question for us. It, it, it's everything. Love is everything for us. Um, not, not just love in the ushy-gushy kind, not just... Now, I'm not talking romantic love. This is, this is certainly um, the time of year where we talk about it's falling off again. It's like it's falling off my head. Is my head too big or too small? I don't know what it is. Glasses, maybe? Is that knocking it off? Maybe I'll try that. I can't see you, but I can. <laughs> we'll see how that works. I mean, love is everything. I mean, it, it means everything to us, but not just the ooey-gooey kind of love. Romantic love is, is neat. I think it's great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not against romantic love. Amen. My wife, I'm still romantic with my wife. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? 
I, I give her the smolder. You know, so that's all good. That's all good in, in this place. It's all good. But there's something deeper than that, right? We got to go deeper than that. Because romantic love goes in and out. I mean, I've been married 35 years this year, and we're not always walking around going ooey-gooey. You know, it's, 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 it, there's something, got to be something deeper than that. Something deeper for us as people, as human beings, because we need love. I mean, we need love. We don't thrive without love. That is not a human situation. We got to have it. And so we got to go somewhere else. Because to tell you the truth, you can't love me enough to keep me going. If, I, if, if I'm only depending on you for love, I'm in trouble. If you're only depending on me for love, you're in trouble. Now, don't get me wrong. We got to love each other. Amen. We'll talk about that. But we got to trust that there's something else more profound, more powerful, more transformative that will give us meaning and depth in life. Something that really will make us say, what love has to do with it is everything. I live for love. I live for love. And I'll die for this love. In John chapter 15, I'm sorry, this thing just keeps falling off. Is it my jacket? In John chapter 15, our Lord Jesus is talking about the divine. Remember, y'all know this passage, right? You are divine, I am the branches. Well, in the middle of that passage, starting at verse 9, if you have your Bible or wherever you have it, is it on the screen or something? If you have your Bible, phone, whatever, push a button, you'll find it. He says this, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends. Man, that passage is truly beautiful. If you, if you can read that passage without being amazed, I just, I don't know if you're, if you're in the family or not. I mean, you got every Christian reading that should go, oh, my goodness. It's powerful and profound and deep. And, 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 this, and the, the thing about this passage, and I'm just going to give you some a kind of a quick, quick, quick uh, cliff note to this. There are two things that are said here that make this whole thing just pop. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Right? And then he says, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Those two statements, if you want to pay it forward, it's like the father loves the son, the son loves us, and then we love one another. It's very linear in in one sense, but it's also very deep. (laughs) And it's not easy, but it's beautiful. And and, and I look at that passage, you you know what I see the common denominator in in that passage? As I have loved you, 
He says it twice. As I have loved you. So let's begin, first of all. Let's, let's go back to the beginning in verse 9. Now, again, keep in mind, we're this passage is about what it means to bear fruit for Jesus, what it means to live a productive Christian life. And he says you can't do it. You can't do it unless you are abiding or remaining in me, unless you're living in an intimate, dependent relationship with me. You can't bear fruit for me. Unless, one, let's go back to chapter three, unless you're born again and in the vine, in me, connected to me, that's spiritual union with Christ. Unless you are connected to me through faith in me, you will not bear fruit in me because it's his life in us that bears the fruit, that causes things to happen. And then he jumps down to, to, to verse nine and he challenges us using similar language. Abiding my love, abiding me, similar language. But he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. That's mind-blowing. First thing we notice about this love that we are to live in is that it's a love that's between the, that comes from the Trinity. It's inter-Trinitarian love. I mean, when you think about the fact that the Father loves the Son eternally, eternally, totally, completely. And then he says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. That, are you mean that, Jesus, my Lord, you mean to tell us that the love you have for us is the same kind of love that the eternal Father has for you. So are you saying to us that you have loved us eternally? Yes. We have always been in his mind because he changeth not, right? He, he, he knows all things at once. We were chosen before the foundation of the world. He had your name written on the palms of his hands before the foundation of the world, before the world was created, before your mom and dad came into being, before you were born, he had already set his love upon you. So yes, his love for us has to be eternal. There was no way that you were going to walk away from his love because he, he had you in his mind forever. And that love was complete. There was no, there's nothing lacking in this love for, for you. Else there's something wrong with the father's love for the son. Same love. A love that says, I want the best for you, and I will do whatever it takes to give you the best. A love that says, it's not what you do for me. That's romantic, by the way. It's not what you do for me or how you make me feel that makes me love you. In our case, it's the very opposite. We did nothing. Zero. As a matter of fact, Humanly speaking, he shouldn't love us because we were at war. We were enemies. 
We were doing everything we can when he found us to, to go the opposite direction of his love. And yet he's telling us that if you belong to Jesus, if you're born again, if you are a disciple of Jesus, he's always loved you and loved you with the love the Father has for him. This love is possessive. God is, Oprah got upset about this because she didn't understand what it meant. You know the story about Oprah? She used to be a Baptist. And she left the church because someone said that God's love was jealous, that God was a jealous God. Well, she took that to mean for some strange reason that God was jealous of her. And why would God be jealous of me? And she turned her back. Now, again, that's, that's, that's crazy thinking, but that's what happened. That's what she says. God's love is a possessive love. When he speaks of being jealous or zealous, same word, he is talking about the fact that he, 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 he wants all of you and he deserves it. So the father and the son have this relationship where they give all of themselves to each other. And then the son says, I'm going to pay it forward. As father as you love me, I'm going to love them. The unlovable ones. And I'm going to love them. And I'm going to pour myself out for them. And, and, and so he does that. He, he comes to you and he says he wants all of you. He loves all of you. He is possessive. He wants all of you. He, he will not settle for less than 100% of you. It's beautiful. In the new heavens and new earth, he will have his way. Today, we struggle to give all of us ourselves to him. Amen. But he still loves you. He still wants you. He still desires you. And he desires you with the same love the Father has for him. But then he says something profound. Abide in my love. Remain in my love. Now that would seem to suggest that it's possible for you to get out of his love. That he loves you and it's possible for you to somehow escape that love. Um, you know, like, like, like getting out of a trap or something. And that would destroy what it means to be saved by grace, if that were true. No, I don't think that's what Jesus means here. But I do, because the truth of the matter, if you read Romans 8, you'll find out, like Romans 8, 38, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if he set his love on you, there's nothing that can separate you from it. So it's not, he's not telling us that we can somehow get out of his love that then Paul would be crazy. He's talking about the idea of living in a constant dependency upon his love. Abide in my love means live and depend on it. Don't just say Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Amen. I'm not down. I'm down with that. But that's it's more than that. He's talking about living in dependence on that love. Waking up every day knowing that you are loved by God. I was on the phone with a man just last night. 
who was struggling with alcohol. And he slipped up again. And he's killing himself. He's dying. He's beating himself up. And he's telling me, Pastor Kev, I don't, I, don't f- I don't feel like he loves me. And my heart's breaking. It's, 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 it's in the evening, and I'm tired, and, and I'm listening to him, and I'm just mel- I'm dying. I'm, my heart's breaking for this man because he thinks somehow he's gotten out of the love of God. You know, we only feel that way after when we screw up, right? We only feel that way when we're going through a hard time. Sometimes it's something we've done to ourselves, or sometimes it's stuff that's been done to us. That's when we tend to feel, and I'm going to use the word feel, we tend to feel out of God's love. And feelings are good. That's part of our humanity. We are meant to be people who feel. You want to feel God. Amen. But our feelings are not the determinators of truth. How you feel does not determine the truth. You may feel like you've been abandoned by God, but if you're a child of God, you'd never be abandoned by God. So your feelings don't always tell you reality. Test your feelings with reality. Test your feelings with the truth of God's word. Always do not live and let your feelings dictate everything you do. I don't feel it. Well, okay. I understand. Maybe you'll feel it later. But what does the word of God say? Abide in my love. You can't escape. Depend. Depend on. The devil wants you never to depend on the fact that God loves you. He wants you to live day by day according to your feelings. According to what other people say. Jesus says, remain in my love. Live each day dependent on me to love you. That means to care for you, to to be with you, to never forsake you. Live each day. When you wake up in the morning, it's okay to say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. When's the last time you told yourself that Jesus loves you? When's the last time you prayed and you said, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me? Live in dependence on that love, meaning you're knowing he will care for you. No matter what comes, he cares for you. It means also diving deep into that love. I love what Paul prays in Ephesians three sixteen and 19. According to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Why, Paul? Why do we need the strengthening of the spirit? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints. This is a a group project, y'all. With all the saints, what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of God, the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. It's a group project for us to together dive into what it means for Jesus to love us. And family, I got to tell you, the only way that happens is for us to park, to camp at the cross. Build a castle for yourself at the foot of the cross. You, You can't know his love. You never leave the cross, saints. You never leave it. It's always there. You never leave the basics. I said this with New City recently. 
the basis of everything. Years ago, before all of us were born, Vince Lombardi, the great, the, the legendary uh, coach for the Green Bay Packers, they, the Packers had lost the game. They should have won. It was a horrible exhibition of bad football. We saw good football yesterday, bad football. And, and, and they're all down and dejected. And, and, and Lombardi walks into the, um, to the team, to the locker room. He looks at them. They won't even make eye contact. He gets their attention. He looks them all in the eye. He picks up a football and said, gentlemen, this is a football. What was he saying? Back to basics, boys. You didn't, you didn't block well. You didn't, you didn't protect the ball. You, you, you got too many penalties. You weren't playing basic, good, basic football. Listen, we, Jesus, the cross and the love of Christ is basic Christianity. You never leave it. You bask in it. You, you seek the height, the depth, the breadth of it. You keep scanning. You keep thinking of, and meditating. When's the last time you meditated on the love of Christ for you? When's the last time you meditated? And meditation for Christians doesn't mean we empty our minds. We fill our minds with the truth of God. And we think about that. And we sit at the foot of the cross and we say, Lord, why would you love me? How could you love me? How much do you love me? And then we do it together. We're not meant to be lone rangers. That's why Paul prays that you together would know the love. We go to the cross together. We gather together and together we pray and we cry out to God. Why would you love us? But thank you. <laughs> thank you. We never say why and then say he doesn't. No, why and thank you that you do. You let that love just wash over you. You let the reality of the fact that you are a sinner, that you are someone who's estranged from God, that you told God you didn't need him at one point. And if you grew up in a Christian home and all you ever knew was Jesus, listen, there was probably a time when your parents didn't know Jesus. Or here's the thing, how did you end up in that home? Because the Lord loved you before the foundation of the world and put you in the Christian home so that you will always know his love from, from cradle to the grave. It's all the sovereign love of Jesus that makes us who we are and meaning to meditate on everything good that we have. It comes to us because we are so richly loved. No matter how you feel, do you think Jesus felt, felt loved by the Father on the cross? When he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Do you think he felt loved? Oh, the feelings that weren't there. But listen, the reality was that's you. Whatever you're going through, don't, don't think if you are a child of God, if you have surrendered yourself to Jesus, if you're abiding in the vine, you never have to wonder, no matter what is happening, whether he loves you or not. But here's the thing, and I got to wrap this up. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you now you love one another. The love that you are, we are to have for one another is a love that's, that comes all the way from the Father through the Son to you. It's a love that fills you. 
when you recognize, when you recognize how much you are loved, you want to keep his commandments because you recognize his commandments are commandments of love. And Jesus says, the great commandment I give you is that you love one another. It means you look around this room and you see family. You see family in all different shades and sizes and ethnic groups and, and cultures and countries. Look around this room and you see nothing but family. But, you know, I don't, I don't know anything about those, those people. <laughs> yes, you do. Those people are family. You know they are in Christ. You know they're part of the kingdom of God. You know you're going to spend eternity with them. And there will not be segregation in heaven, in the new heavens and new earth. You will not have your own personal spot for just you and your clan. God help us. How do you express that love now? Jesus washed the disciples' feet in chapter 13 and says, listen, as I have done for you, you do for one another. Wash someone's feet. Serve someone. Serve someone. Serve everyone. This school will rock when the students in this school know what it means to love one another by serving one another especially if you're different, what the world calls different. Especially if you come from a place where we didn't associate with those kind of people. Well, you do now. You do now. Because those people are your people. And of course you're not a Christian, you're not in the family, then that's not, we gotta start over with you now. Because you're, you, you, you're not even in Christ yet. If you're still talking about those people, you don't know what it means to love. If you're still looking at folk sideways because they're not like you, vote or vote like you and your crazy family. <laughs> and you don't understand. You don't know. You know, it's so much fun interacting with family who are not like me. I did it in Japan. I did it in Indonesia. I did it in, 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 in um, oh my gosh, in the Jordan. That was amazing because they were Muslims. I'm surrounded by Muslims. Oh my gosh. Muslim background believers. Muslim Christians who were Christians now, more Muslim than Christian. Don't get me wrong. But they were Muslim by culture, Christian by heart, Christian by transformation, Christian by the gospel, family. So exciting to interact with people who are not like me. Have you experienced that? Are you serving one another? Jesus said, greater love has no man than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. And he proved it by laying down his life for us. I think the point he's trying to tell us is that if we love one another, we'll lay down our lives for each other too. That's the context. 
who will you lay down your life for? Only people who look like you. You don't get it. Go back to the cross and see a Jesus laying down his life for people who are nothing like him. Except they were human. Other than that, we were the we were on the other side. Enemies of God. So I want to encourage you today. Bask in the love of God. Bask in it. And then pay it forward. Let that love, that love that He has for you, let it loose, let it go. Let it fly out of you by serving one another, by caring for one another, by building one another up in Jesus. Maybe you'll sing this one day. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast save in the death of Christ my God. We don't boast in anything other than him. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Look at the cross. Did our such love and sorrow meet or thorns compose so rich a crown? Here it is. With a whole realm of nature and mind that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Do you know that love? Father, in the name of Jesus, please, please, Father. Help us to see this love, to know this love, to bask in that love, that amazing and divine love. and Cause this school to be saturated with such a divine love. Bring revival through your love for us. Bring the, the revival to this school. Transform this place in deeper ways. Because we are saturated with the love of Christ and we are committed to one another no matter who we are. Oh, do it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.